0: Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. There was a soccer coach who took his team of 12 boys into a cave. This was in Thailand and it happened in the year 2018. It was supposed to be a fun adventure. It was supposed to be exploring these underground tunnels. The coach had been there before. He had planned for about an hour spent with his team enjoying these sights, But that's not the way it turned out. Instead, they got trapped. You see, a a monsoon flood began filling the passageways. It forced this terrified team to just go deeper and deeper and deeper, trying to find dry places in the cave. So there they were. They had gone two and a half miles deep in this cavernous, maze-like cave system. They are surrounded by rising water, and they're in total darkness. Now, the coach decided he was going to dive into the water. He was going to attempt to swim out, make it to the other side, go for help, get rescue, but he couldn't make it. And so he swam back to his team. All they could do then was to sit, to wait, to sit in the darkness, hoping for rescue, hoping that one day they would again see the light of day, but not knowing if that day would come. And as I share that, and maybe you remember that from the headlines, some of, for some of you, that might be your just worst nightmare. <laughs> it's like being in a tight, confined space, deep underground, in total darkness. That like the kind of dark where you cannot see your hand in front of your face. And you've probably experienced that. Probably we all have at some point in our own homes when you get up in the middle of the night, for some reason there's no night light, or it's been unplugged, or it's mysteriously disappeared. So you're in the darkness and you're groping around in the dark. And sometimes you you have uh certain things that you felt for before you're like I just I know this door handle is here and it's going to lead me to the hallway or leave but then you can't find it and you're in the total darkness you're just really disoriented and you're frightened and then sometimes when you do finally get the light on you realize you were on the opposite wall (laughs) you'd gotten out of the other side of your bed you were nowhere near when you even thought you were going to be it's because when you're in total darkness You can't see what you need to see. This is obvious. But when you are in darkness, there's a spiritual lesson here for us, by the way. You can't see what you need to see. Darkness is frightening. It's one of the most common fears, especially among young children. Darkness is frightening, and it causes us to lose hope. But as we begin our Christmas series this morning, we have this really good news. That in the birth of Jesus... It means that light has entered into our dark world, that he shines on all people, that he is the one who then gives us strength to walk through dark times. He gives us joy. He illuminates our way. He shines the light of life on us in the places that are dead. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. So let me introduce myself. I'm John, and I'm honored to serve as pastor here at MCA. I'm thrilled that you're with us, whether here in person or tuning in online, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart grows stronger, that your faith grows deeper. We are going to spend the next four weeks, these are the weeks leading up to Christmas, in the book of Isaiah, this Old Testament prophet. We're going to be looking at some of the prophecies regarding the coming Messiah. There are 125 prophecies. We don't We don't have time to cover all of them. That would be, what, several years of study uh, in this particular book. In fact, we have made a resource available to you. If you have the MCA app, it is on there. Um, And the resource is a listing of all 125 passages in Isaiah, the prophecies, and then the New Testament counterpart, in other words, the fulfillment of those prophecies in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would commend that to you over these weeks, whether in your core group or in your family, uh, to use that in your own study of God's word, because we won't be able to do all 125 of those. But here's what we're calling this particular sermon series, the gospel according to Isaiah. The gospel according to Isaiah, because there is so much, there is a richness in these prophecies about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Jesus. And he wrote it to a a people who were just wondering how much longer are we going to be in the dark because it was a dark time He shows up during the time just to set maybe the historical context for us Isaiah shows up at a time during the divided kingdom So we we know something of the history of israel and I won't go through all of it for us But there are now two kingdoms. There is the northern kingdom of israel which was composed of 10 of the 12 tribes, by the way And there is the southern kingdom of Judah And that's composed of just Benjamin and Judah So it's a smaller group And in Judah, of course, that is where, the, uh, that's where Jerusalem is And of course we know about the prophecies concerning the Messiah That he would come from the tribe of Judah So God has special plans for the southern kingdom of Judah He has big plans for these people Now, as for their brothers, the northern kingdom, uh, they weren't content just to live and let live. In other words, they divided. Now, we've got Israel, we've got Judah, but they were antagonistic toward their little brother, Judah. They actually teamed up with the Arameans and waged war against Judah. Like, like they wanted to conquer them. They they were attacking them. They were going to war against Judah the people in judah they were trying to take over essentially their brothers in the south so as you can imagine the people in judah were afraid. They, they've been through a difficult time with the splitting of their nation and now they have this big ominous uh, big brother in israel and he's teaming up with all of his bully friends you know sort of bulking up the army and beginning to attack and beginning to invade and so what happens is God raises up this prophet of Isaiah he's one of the major prophets raises him up to bring hope so if we turn in our Bibles we are going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 but there are there are some additional verses that we need to look at in seven and eight in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 8 well. Isaiah says that Israel, that northern kingdom, is going to fall. In fact, he he says a very specific prophecy here where he says within 65 years, they will fall. Within 65 years, they're going to be overtaken. Of course, we know this proved to be true. The Assyrians invaded. They conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. We get a snapshot of their situation in Isaiah chapter 8. So let's key in there starting in verse 19. So we're in Isaiah chapter 8 starting in 19. He says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, They have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they'll roam through the land. When they're famished, they'll become enraged, and looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they'll look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they'll be thrust into utter darkness. There are definitely parallels to our world today. So, what I'm saying is, Both Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, they are filled with darkness. They are in distress. And again, again, this is real history. These these are true stories. This is not make-believe. But in these real stories of the ancient peoples of old, we can see parallels today. That that in some ways it describes... What has happened to the entire human race That We've all turned from god That he created us In loving relationship and communion With him but we've all broken that We've all gone our own way We've served other gods We have conflict One with another And the result then Is we are left in Despair and in Darkness Aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? (laughs) Aren't you glad that that's not just the end of the people of Israel and Judah for all of the human race, for you and I today, that we mess things up, we have broken relationships, we walk away from God, and so we're in darkness. That's not the end of the story. And in Isaiah, we have these beautiful and wonderful prophecies that help us see that there is one coming. Again, this is 700 years before Jesus. There is one coming, and he's going to shine his light into the darkness. He's going to shine his light upon you. And so let's turn into Isaiah chapter 9. These are the verses we heard just a moment ago. Nevertheless, in other words, so because of that passage we just read, that's the end of chapter 8. People have messed up. People are in darkness. Now chapter 9, nevertheless, like despite, but. This is a hinge. is are a thing to shift here. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So let me just unpack this for us a little bit. So we've got these references to Zebulun and Naphtali. These were tribes from the northern kingdom of Israel. In other words, these are the people in the north. They're in the region. Those two tribes in particular are in the region known as Galilee. Galilee was the northern part of the northern kingdom, about around the sea that happens to share that same name. So what do you think he's getting at here when he says that God is going to honor Galilee? Can you name any villages in Galilee? Like Nazareth? See, Jesus was from Nazareth. Jesus was a Galilean. He was from that area. And yet, if you know your scripture and if you know the prophecies about the coming one that we are declaring the gospel according to isaiah you say well wait a minute god the the messiah is going to be one through the line of david he's going to come through the tribe of judah so you're talking the galilee is the northern part of the northern kingdom judah is in the southern kingdom so how can that be well, here's what happened as we understand it from history. When the Assyrians came and conquered the northern kingdom, they overtook Galilee, of course, as part of that, and they left it empty. This is kind of a, a fascinating and unique move that wasn't often done for these people at this time. They didn't do the same necessarily for Samaria, which is another part of the Northern Kingdom. There was no in Galilee, there was no remnant left behind. In Galilee there was no occupation of the foreign troops. It was empty. It was silent and dark. This actually went on for hundreds of years, about six hundred years. This whole region, this whole land sat empty and silent. It was a wasteland. To be sure, in second Kings chapter 17, we're told that there were resettlements in the land of Samaria. But Galilee isn't mentioned there. And really, we have to understand that by the New Testament times, we have three regions in the nation of Israel. The area in the south, okay, so Judah would be sort of the Hebrew. Judea would be more of the Greek term. It's the same thing, Judah, Judea. So Judea in the south, Samaria, that northern kingdom, right? But then you see Galilee in addition, so this, this is kind of the nation of Israel in Jesus' time would have been broken into these three parts. Judea, then Samaria, and then all the way up in the north, Galilee. This was the area that had been conquered by the Assyrians and just left. We don't care about this region. We're just going to leave it. Nobody there, nothing happening. But then shortly before the arrival of Jesus there were some new settlements that began to appear in Galilee. And the people who settled there were not the exiles returning who had come from there, but they were Judeans. They were ones from the south. They were transplant families who were from Judah. These these were not folks from Zebulun, from Naphtali. They're from the southern kingdom. And so we may not understand all of the reasons why, There are some, you know, you could use your imagination and think of some cool stories there of families striking out on, we're going to follow where God leads us. He's calling us to places that that are distant, places that are a wasteland, to start something new. But these were families from Judah who began to settle and to replant, essentially, in Galilee. And so that's how Joseph ends up there. Joseph and Mary end up in Nazareth. They're not from the northern kingdom, they're from the south, they're from the house and line of David, but they're living in Nazareth. And in all of this, you can just see how time and time and time again the prophecies about the Messiah are unfolding. So he's going to be from the tribe of Judah, he's going to be from the lineage of David, and yet he's going to be from Nazareth. He's going to be Like a shining light in galilee And so here's what I want to do with the rest of our time together I I want to I want to walk through these next couple of verses in isaiah chapter 9 We're going to be in this same passage actually two weeks in a row So so today and then next week we'll look at hopefully the next few verses But I want to walk through this passage and consider this prophecy from isaiah about jesus that he is the light of the world And so what I want to share is three ways that jesus lights our way Three ways that we see from this passage that jesus lights the way the first is that the light of jesus gives us joy So these ancient peoples Wow, they only knew darkness and despair That they, they knew that it was because of their sin through the prophets god had told them you messed up wrath is coming and you think about living in a We experienced this even in our own land during the civil war brother fighting against brother families pitted against each other And then you team up with the with the enemy you're like We're really going to give it to you judah We're going to team up with the arameans and then you're going to you're going to go down So you've got you've got the enemy sort of crouching ready to attack the messiness of the divided kingdom. And it's into this mess that that God sends this message of hope, of Jesus, of the Messiah, hundreds of years before he arrived. And so he, he says there very clearly in verse 1, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Now, I do recognize that we're beginning the month of December, and it's just this time of year where it's hard. We're, we're entering into a time of year in the Midwest <laughs> where the weather is crummy. It's cold and it's it can be rainy and gloomy and you tend not to travel as much during this time of year so you tend not to see your loved ones or go to those warm exotic locations or gather with friends or go out and do the things that you normally do quite as much and so it can be painful when the holidays roll around and i know i know this situation the holidays roll around and the kids and grandkids say well we're not going to come this year to or when You just remember that loved one that you've lost and you wish that that special person could be with you for christmas and for the new year and and so i just recognized that this morning that there can be a darkness even in this time of year even in this season christmas could probably just as easily be pronounced crisp mess (laughs) because of the messiness and the emotional toll that it takes and and really, maybe that's not a bad way to think about it. That, that Christ came down into our mess. So maybe mess" is a good pronunciation of the holiday. But we, we realize that it was into the middle of that that God sent his son. Into the middle of great grief. Right, And you, you think about it, even on that, that holy and sacred night, like as the angels are proclaiming peace on earth, Herod is preparing to annihilate infants While mary was was worshiping god. There were other mothers who were weeping For their children And yet as we see here jump down to verse three you've enlarged the nations and increased their joy They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, right? He helps us. He gives us some some word pictures here. When the harvest comes in and you see it's a bumper crop, when you see all of the goodness, when when the land produces tenfold, and you know it's a successful year, we're going to be fed. We, we, we've, got, we've got an abundance, like you celebrate it just as people rejoice at the harvest or as warriors rejoice when divided. Plunder. <laughs> that, that one kind of smacks against some of our cultural sensibilities, I guess. But the idea is we, we could say the team celebrating after the big win. And you're shouting and jumping and you're excited. Why is it? Because of what God has done. The light of Jesus gives us great joy. He shines in our dark places. So the second way that I want to mention that Jesus uh, lights the way is that the light of Jesus gives us sight. So we opened with this a few moments ago, this, this very common sense idea of when you're in the dark, you can't see what you need to see. This is The essential function of light would be to illuminate That which you need to see, to to allow us to see what we couldn't see before. And so here's what Isaiah says. If we go to verse 2, we're in Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus turns our blindness into sight. Really, this is the express purpose of his coming. Was to give sight to those who cannot see He did it in a physical sense But he also did it in a spiritual sense Like like chapter 4 When he reads from the scroll Of which prophet was it? I believe it was It was Isaiah He reads from from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah Isaiah He came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. That's the express purpose of Jesus coming. You know, it's, it's not easy to believe without seeing, but that's what faith is. And Luke, did you hear what I said there? It's not easy to believe unless you've seen, but that's what faith is. And so for most people, they refuse to believe until they've seen. This is common in our world today. You know, the I'll believe it when I see it approach. I'll believe it when I see it. And yet the Bible tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. It reminds me of the time that Stevie Wonder met Tiger Woods. Well, inevitably, the two start talking about golf. And Tiger is just shocked to find that Stevie says he plays golf. He begins to say he's really good at golf. And Tiger's like, you got to tell me how you do this. How is it even though you cannot see, you're able to play this game that I've dedicated my entire life and career to? So he explains that it's through the help of his caddy. That his caddy, he plays the ball, and that his caddy goes to where he needs to play the ball next, and he calls to him, and so he listens. So then he just simply plays the ball toward the voice of his caddy. Like, okay, that's simple. Then he goes, but what about putting? Isn't that a little more... Precise. Well, yes, of course it is. So Stevie explains, you know, you remove the flag once he's on the green. And then he says the caddy actually gets down right by the cup. He puts his mouth over it and he calls to him. And he said, again, it's it's simply I'm just playing the ball toward that voice. When I hear that voice, I'm playing it and I can, I can sink it. I can make it inside the cup. And so Tiger is, he's a little skeptical, but he's also, I mean, he wants to see this. And so he's like, could we play sometime? I, I want to play golf with you. So Stevie says, Well, listen, nobody takes me serious. You know, everyone thinks this is a joke. Every, you know, it's, I'm just the laughing stock. There's no way. I, you know, here's the blind guy playing golf. So he says, I mean, I don't play for less than $10,000 a hole. Well, Tiger's like, Yeah, I mean, that's sure. It's no problem. So Stevie says, In fact, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I'm going to mop the floor with you. Like, you, you actually don't have a chance against me. You don't even know what you're doing. I mean, he starts trash-talking him. This was a few years ago, too, by the way. You know, Tiger's he's kind of falling off now. But he's, this is, you know, Tiger's at the height of his career. Stevie Wonder's trash-talking him, saying that he's going to beat him. So Tiger's like, you know what, man? I, like, let's do this thing, and I'm just going to take you for all you're worth. And, and, and in fact, he's like, you name the time, and I will be there. And Stevie says, fine, let's play tonight at midnight. (laughs) What great news we can celebrate today that, that Jesus gives us sight. That we are blinded by our sin. We are blinded by this dark world and he gives us sight. And so I'm praying today. That the light of Jesus would illuminate your life, your thinking, your attitude, your behavior, your marriage, your work. That the light of Jesus would give you great insight to be the person that God has called you to be. So let's look at a New Testament passage here in 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So don't live by that moniker of, I'll believe it when I see it. Instead, live this way, where you say, although I've not seen him, I love him. And in putting my trust in it, my soul is safe. What that means, of course, is we've got to admit to our own spiritual blindness. We've got to reach that point where we confess that we've done wrong, we've gone astray, we've allowed things to clutter our vision, and we need the light of Jesus to give us sight. Okay, one more thing that I want to share this morning as we're walking through this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. A third way that the birth of Jesus... Lights the way for our lives. It gives us the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life. Let's go back to that story that we began with. These, yeah. these uh, 12 boys and their soccer coach. And what they thought was going to be an hour excursion of fun. Exploring in these caves has turned into a nightmare. They are stuck in total blackness. In a cave. And their odds are not good. They didn't take food or water with them. They thought it was going to be an hour long. So they're starving. They're quickly running out of oxygen. The rising floodwaters are threatening to drown them. And so days go by, and a week goes by, and two weeks pass. And then they were reported missing. And this international team of divers was assembled for a search and rescue. Check this out couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Trying to wriggle through holes I couldn't wriggle through, finding a bigger space, sliding through, and then repeating again and again. How, How many of you? 13? We look into each other's faces thinking we may be the only ones that ever see them. Finding the boys was the easy part. It didn't have a clue how to get those kids up. Believe. Believe. That clip, by the way, is from a documentary that was released in, I think, October of this year that kind of chronicles that whole story. Two and a half weeks after entering the cave, these boys and their coach were rescued. From the deep darkness, they were pulled out into the light. And so we see there in the second part of verse 2 in Isaiah 9, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Just like those rescuers had to go on that treacherous journey. Again, it was two and a half miles to go into the darkness, to find those boys, Jesus reaches into our deepest darkness with the light of life. Without him, we're just groping around. We're helpless. We're just waiting. We're sitting and waiting. We're wondering, is someone going to find us? Is someone going to rescue us? Will I ever see the light of day? My favorite part of the Christmas season is the light. I love the lights of the Christmas season. They remind us of that star that appeared in the sky. It lit the way. It showed the Magi where the Messiah was. It represents Jesus as the light of the world. And so we read this in John 1 and verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so today, dear friends, we are invited to receive that light of life. That good news. That because of the light of Jesus shining into our darkness, we have the hope of eternal life. And so we are invited to receive that today. Each and every one of us. Maybe you prayed the sinner's prayer when you were five years old. Maybe you did it last week. Maybe you never have. But each and every one of us today are invited See when when we trust jesus here's what the bible describes it as when we trust in jesus We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness Into the kingdom of light we, we are given redemption only because of jesus christ and his shed blood And so we say jesus i am tired of living in the dark And again, I think each and every one of us today needs to pray this prayer I'm tired of living in the dark. Oh god I confess my own sin. That I that I stumble through life groping around in the dark, and so gotta repent of how I've been living and thinking and behaving. And I thank you that you've reached into our world, into the darkness. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross, who was a substitute for my wrongs, who took the punishment for my sins. Who then rose to life on the third day? That we believe in you, O oh God, and what you have done. That's what we're staking our claim on. That you are life. And so today we give control to you. I think more than ever, the world needs to hear the message of Christmas. More than ever, the world needs to hear these ancient prophecies 700 years before he came. We're pointing to the light of the world, the Messiah, all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of darkness in our world, just like in Isaiah's time. There's a lot of darkness. People have walked away from God. People serve idols. Their lives, their resources, their affections are for other things. And it's evident to see that in people's lives. Family life is in disarray. Relationships are broken. Contempt for authority is rampant. Disrespect of the elderly. Violence. Hatred. Division. So, it's into this darkness that the light of Jesus shines. The Son of God born into a world that's groping about in deep darkness before we conclude I do want to invite you we're going to have our prayer team available in the front after the service come and pray we'd love to bless you we'd love to go with you before God's throne of grace whatever burden you're carrying whatever dark place needs light shined on it we would love to minister to you and come alongside you today so we're entering the Christmas season And I do want to issue season's greetings and blessings that in this season it wouldn't be about the busyness but reflecting deeply on the coming of the Christ child, the one who is the light of the world. The light of the world shines on all people, not just a certain group, not just a certain nation, but on all people. He then gives us strength to walk through those dark times. So no matter how dark the night, no matter how despairing your circumstances, Jesus is here and he is the light of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we are again humbled and blessed by the work that you've done that you show you off it to reach into our darkness to lead us into the light of day to shine upon us the light of life and so Lord today we have joy because of it today we celebrate that we who were a part of the kingdom of darkness are now in the kingdom of light we celebrate today God that you are good that you are faithful that even though we have not seen you we love you we thank you that you loved us first. And I pray that you would seal these things in our heart and that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to live these things out in the coming days and weeks. And in this season that can be so dark. Thank you, Jesus, light of the world. Shine upon us, we pray in your name. Amen.